What's up, everybody? This is episode 91 of Cooldown Time. In this episode, we're revealing our top 10 most anticipated games of 2023. Plus, is Xbox finally going to come out swinging in January? Is Redfall actually going to be good? Is Pablo coming to terms about Sports Story? And plenty more to cover in this week's episode. So let's introduce your two-man panel for the show. I'm your graphically impressive host, Marco. And joining me is the technical mess and, incidentally enough, the Randy Savage of the show, based on our, <laughs> our, our microphone testing a few minutes ago, Pablo. Pablo, or or is it Randy? Uh, Randall, how, uh, how, how are you doing? How are you doing right now? Uh, they always say the cream rises to the top, and I think that's a disgusting visual, but uh, it's true. Um, I don't know. Uh, and I'll be saving... Yeah, I, I won't be doing my impression on the show because um, I want to save that for a little later uh, down the line when we do a whole show as uh, our favorite wrestlers. <laughs> we're not doing, so we're not okay, doing an so entire show as Randy Savage, all right? Uh, <laughs> be the okay. most obnoxious. Well, I, was thinking, I was thinking you're Randy Savage, I'm Randy Savage, and we just talk about <laughs> just video games. A, a Savage off? Damn. Yeah. yeah my voice That'd would be fun. People would be... love that dead if i tried to do that for longer than two minutes i don't know how that man ever managed to to cut promos straining his voice the way that he did uh but that's what this show is I all just about think, i just think it became a thing where like i bet you uh undertaker just wakes up and his eyes roll to the back of his head it's like they're, they're so conditioned to that i just same thing with uh randy's vocal uh vocal cords they just yeah, that's how he talked. That's it. That was the rest of it. He went to public. He was like, yeah, let me get the tomatoes. I was like, damn. What, what if Randy Savage had The Undertaker's gimmick and he told people to rest in peace with that voice? <laughs> They'd be like, what? Rest Dude, in it's... peace, Hogan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I, man. I, I, yeah. But uh, yeah, those, those guys are um, decrepit, beat up. All for entertainment. Rest in mm. peace, Randy Savage. Absolutely. And rest in peace, Undertaker's eyeballs. <laughs> shit's can, he, I, I'm convinced that man is half blind. Like it, the, so you detached your retina 10 years ago, asshole. Not Stop the retina. Rolling, <laughs> Stop rolling your eyes back in your head, you dumbass. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> we got to get the show back on track already. Uh, we have quite a show. Uh, we're back to our regularly scheduled uh, programming. Our formatting is all back to normal. After over two months of end-of-year coverage, uh, so thanks to all of you uh, who gave us a shot and checked us out uh, during that time. We hope you enjoyed all that coverage, but we're tired of talking about 2022, uh, so we're going to step into 2023 in a big way in this episode. Uh, So quite a bit to cover, so let's not waste any time. But before we jump in, if you like us, if you support us, if you're friends of ours, if you like Pablo's Randy Savage impression... Give our show a sub. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and even our official website at cooldowntime.com. And if you're feeling extra cool, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Hive at It's Cooldown Time to keep us in your FOV in between episodes. Uh, so, Pablo, if, let's go and ahead. And if you and- don't like my, my Savage impression, 
give give us a sympathy follow like oh poor guy he thinks he has that down pack so either way follow us i feel like people already uh, pity you anyway but anyway um yeah but they they they, they misunderstand me because as you know the cream always rises to the top if i gotta hear about oh, cream yeah. or rising one more time uh <laughs> This will be the last episode of the Cooldown Time programming. Uh, let's go ahead and jump into the first segment of the show. Uh, dedicated to the games we've been playing since you last heard from us. We call that loadouts. Let's go. All systems nominal. Loadouts ready. All right, Pablo. So other than being absolutely gross as a person, mm-hmm. uh, what have you been playing since we last heard from you? And 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 I'm very, very curious to hear about a specific game. Uh, what do we got in store for the listeners this week, Pablo? Talk to us. Well, I've been I've been playing uh, one new game, one old game. Let's start with the new one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been playing Sports Story. Uh, those of you who follow us here on the show and, and know our history or know my history with with that franchise, I'm a huge Golf Story fan. I think Golf Story is the best uh, golf RPG, which is made famous by the NES, SNES games that had those kind of um, those games. But uh, anyway, so highly anticipated sequel, Sports Story, comes out two days before Christmas, almost like if it was put out to die. And guess what? That's because it was. It was put out to die. Sports <laughs> Story is absolutely awful in just about every single way. Uh, I don't think it's the worst game ever made, but because of the highly anticipated, just because it was so highly anticipated for me, I, I can just go ahead and say it's the worst game ever made uh, for me. <laughs> it, it's, it, it takes the formula of golf story and then injects it with all the ideas. And then what it does with those ideas is it meets them halfway uh, and they never really fully develop. Uh, games like tennis are probably the most developed besides golf. Uh, BMX feels like Excite Bike on NES. I said yes if you ever played Excite Bike, um, and that doesn't feel great to play. Uh, and then everything else is just this half-assed mechanic of a sport. Like volleyball is introduced early on, and then you don't play volleyball ever again for like four hours, uh, and then they expect you to know full on as to how to play it. Uh, but then everything else just devolves uh, in between playing sports it just devolves into fetch quest city where you're going from point a to point b to get a ticket to get an orange uh to then make uh a a smoothie for your coach um if that sounds crazy that's because it is crazy Mm. and there's no markings on the map or anything telling you where to go you have to explore this area to kind of find out It, it almost feels like a point and click adventure game where the logic isn't all there you have to kind of figure it out by exploring the problem is exploring in this game is horseshit. It's absolutely terrible. Uh, what you want to do is you want to get into these sports events that have very interesting twists to them, and you barely get that. And when you finally do get that, you're hampered with a a, a soccer, which is a absolute afterthought of a of of a sport that they introduced. It's so shallow in its mechanic that it's absolutely not fun to play. Uh, and you kind of you're kind of longing for the golf segments in which those are still fantastic, but so far and few between that it just makes this entire game unnecessary. It's it's convoluted, it's bloated. It is everything that you would think a a professional development team would avoid, which is uh, doing too much, uh, and, and 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 witness to that, and, and and things that we see online, that was exactly what's happened. The ambition of the game got to the point where they just kept adding and adding so much so that developers added a secret room 
in Sports Story where you can actually go in and they kind of tell you all this information. They went behind the, the publisher, the, 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 main, the, the director of the game to tell you, hey, this has been total hell because they have no direct vision. All they want is more. Uh, it's, it's, really, it's really kind of a, a sad case here. And, I, and I'm going to be full on honest with you. I'm not saying Golf Story is a great RPG. I think it's a quirky, fun time. And I think that's all they needed to do here. And I think what they wanted to do is 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 do what they did with golf story but instead of taking their time with a sport they did all of them and to to to, to horrible con- conclusion the, the results are just absolutely horseshit i i honestly think um if we were to do the show over again in terms of our, our work i was just gonna I ask would you fight this so yeah. yeah i would fight so hard for most disappointing uh because they had three was our winner um and that is a tough one to beat, but I think this one does it full on. Um, I think on on Open Critic right now, uh, Sports Story is at a forty eight. Just so you, we know exactly where we are with that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, an unfortunate mess of a game that it is quite possibly uh, one of the most disappointing things I've ever played. Uh, in terms of being so hyped for something so simple like Golf Story. Like, they, they really nailed Golf Story. It, they knew what they had there. And then it makes me think that Golf Story was a complete and utter mistake, and they have no idea why Golf Story was what it was. They just mm-hmm. thought people like playing sports, which is not, not the case, fellas uh, and ladies. Uh, but, yeah, uh, yeah, sports story is an absolute horse horse shit horse show of a game there's a technical issues they can fix technical <laughs> horse shit horse can, show <laughs> uh, yeah yeah sure they uh they can fix the technical issues for sports story and this game will still be a absolute horrific shit show of a fucking game yeah. that's all i got for sports story i had a feeling yeah. it was going to be that bad though i mean just conceptually it was like wow you went from one sport to all of all of the sports i i guess that just yeah. that doesn't seem like developmental hell in the making uh, and yeah, no, and here it, we go. It was, and they could have, and they could have easily had golf and tennis, um, <clears throat> and then had those two things be the sport, and then have every other sport as a side activity. You know, sure. uh, something that you can do if you wanted to, kind of them reflecting a little bit mechanics. So even if, if for example, like I said, soccer and, and and volleyball, which aren't very good to play or fun to play, if you don't make it part of the main story, <clears throat> then you don't have to worry about it. It's a side thing. So. And then on top of that, all the the story missions are it's it, it's a mess. It's a it's a mess of a game. I had <clears throat> I always thought to beat Golf Story would have been easy because all you had to do was repeat that and make it and do more in terms of like the levels and all that. But they just decided to go a whole different way with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I had no idea it was gonna be this bad, but my God, that is irredeemable bad. Irredeemable, yes, and that's and that's the key word here because a lot of games that we play, we're like, man, if they only had this patch, Pokemon Scarlet, for example. If that game is came out, it was it had no real technical issues. That'd be that'd be an incredible game. Uh, this is this could be this this could have come out and be the most polished game to ever hit the market, and it would still be garbage because conceptually the game is flawed uh, in its uh, foundation. But yeah, uh, other game I'm playing because we're in this uh, lull here. Um, with video games, uh, January is about to pop off soon. Can't wait. We'll talk about some game maybe down the line here. So, what's in terms of anticipated? But I'm playing. I, I jumped back to Red Dead Redemption Two 
That's the power of social media. For whatever reason, a whole bunch of videos started showing up on my feed about uh, certain things happening in Red Dead Redemption Two. You know those 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 world events that happen in, in that game randomly, and I, I I've experienced a lot of them, but there were some that I saw that I have never seen, and so I had. I had already da- downloaded. I put it on. Had forty hours of save from last year and the year before that I put together, and just kind of started playing through it. And I have been absolutely addicted to Red Dead Redemption Two. I think when we're playing this game, when I played this game, I feel like we kind of leave out this game when we talk about Elden Ring influences, uh, because this game is all about discovery. When you're not playing those main story missions, if you're just out there in the world and you're just kind of exploring the way you would do Elden Ring, you are rewarded in this, a lot of the same way that you are in Elden Ring with, with these random encounters, these, these side stories that are happening outside of this world. And I think that's a really interesting kind of um, approach to, to, to game design when it comes to Red Dead Redemption uh, 2. And I feel like that that's the future of Rockstar Games. I I, I I would love for them to get eliminate fail uh, fails uh, state uh, things in that game because that's still kind of frustrating when you're playing a main mission and you kind of walk away from the main from the from the mission even if slightly and then it goes into a fail state. I wish that it would be a more open kind of do anything any way you want. I think that you see that here with uh, moments in Red Dead Redemption 2 in the world. When you're out there, you see an event unfold, you can just end it by killing the guy or, or whatever you want to do, and it just stops there. You know, like, there's just a lot of little, little things like that that aren't part of the main mission, and if you are a person that played this in Mainline Day, you've missed a lot of the nuances of Red Dead Redemption 2, and I feel like this game is, for me, it's the best game of 2018. Um, I had that originally anyway, but I think this solidified this for me over um over uh god of war 2018 um i will say the control the controls uh uh every rockstar game i feel it has poorly aging gameplay it's just that game engine and the way that combat works and movement works just feels a little stilted um i would say after a few hours in it it, you kind of that kind of goes away a little bit and then it creeps up every once in a while when you're trying to do something mundane like take your gun out or put it away and it kind of gets a little gymnastics yeah 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 a little clusterfuck that that does and people say well that's part of the 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 lore of the game where it's the old west and yeah i can see that for some of the slow movements of the game but the actual mechanic of getting on your horse sometimes you get crossed up and you end up doing something else that kind of shit that's that's more of a technical thing and that's messy i i i really hope that that rockstar figures that out because it sucks to have a game like red dead redemption 2 7 what 5 18 what four years five years after the fact and then when you play god of war 2018 like god of war 2018 is like almost it's like if it were to come out today in terms of its mechanic it feels great but red dead redemption 2 does not and that that's a little frustrating there but man red dead redemption 2 obviously i'm i'm, I'm preaching to the choir here everybody who who, who red dead redemption 2 is, a, is an incredible game uh but uh i don't know man replaying it in uh, again and, and putting so much hours into it again i really feel it it's 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 it almost it's getting a little bit underrated, I feel, uh, as time goes by. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that's all I'm playing now. Looking forward to, to what the month brings uh, with new games. But, yeah, that's what I got. What do you got? Very cool. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so I think, you know, speaking to what you said about the lull right now, I've actually kind of enjoyed this time to not, you know, be so mm-hmm. beholden to, uh, you know, new new game releases uh, and just being able yeah. to go back and play old stuff that I kind of missed or... Um, wanted to revisit and speaking of which i went back and uh i started a new playthrough of control 
the Ultimate Edition, um, which I think they gave away on PlayStation as like part of the PSN service type of thing. So uh, I had that already. So I went ahead and downloaded that. And this is the first time I've really committed to finishing it all the way through since I first played it when it came out, I think 2019. Yeah. Um, it's, um, man, there, there's so many things about this game that I think are a testament to Remedy's greatness as a developer, mm-hmm. um, particularly with world building, lore, and just um, the way that they, their brand of, of, of weird and creepy is just, it's untouchable. I think they've, they've got yeah. that down in a way that I think anybody else that tries to do any sort of horror or supernatural kind of games can't even come close to. Um, I think that they, the, the one thing that I will say control is, that, that control does that I think is the best in gaming history is actually it's um, collectible files and documents that have like the redacted government reports about these objects of power that, you know, um, have these supernatural traits to them. And they kind of have these cryptic documents that explain how they captured it, what kinds of things it does and blah, blah, blah. And all of those are just so um engaging to read through and i don't i never do that i don't do that for some of my favorite games I, the last of us i i don't remember a single thing i ever read that i collected in that game you know um yeah true but remedy just has this way of making those those very cliche collectible things so interesting uh and i think that gives this whole world and universe they've created uh so much more color um, and it makes the connectivity between the control universe and the Alan Wake universe that much more interesting to me too, uh, which is one of the biggest reasons why I wanted to come back and try it out again, because the DLC that came out for control involves Alan Wake and obviously with Alan Wake two coming, I wanted to kind of get caught up on that. Um, and I've really enjoyed coming back to it so far. The PS five Xbox series versions are really well made. Uh, they, they run super smooth, uh, regardless of what you know, graphics or performance mode you choose. Um, and I think the gameplay still holds up remarkably well uh, for the most part, too. So I think um, this is a game definitely worth coming back to, uh, especially if you're a Remedy fan and you're trying to get yourself geared up for Alan Wake 2. I think this is a great game to kind of get you on your way there. So I've been really enjoying it. And uh, I think I'm about two thirds of the way through right now. So I'm, I'm pretty close to did, finishing um, it off. Did this make you any, any more excited for Alan Wake 2? Um, it made me more intrigued. I don't know if excited's the word I would use because right. I think there's still a lot of questions that Remedy needs to answer about how to, and I talked about it before, how to modernize Alan Wake, how to bring it up to speed with current gaming conventions and what we expect out of horror games now. Like, How are they going to um, play into what is kind of signature for that for that IP versus what kind of works in the modern era of games um but it had but as far as the interest in the universe itself goes it that's at a 10 uh hands down just because of yeah. again how well they flesh out all the little details and nuances and subtleties of that uh whole world and everything in it um so i'm looking forward to it but just probably I- i'm looking forward to the sequel of control more than alan wake 2 if i had to you know give you right, an answer right. um, yeah no, but you're right. There's something to be said about the 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 feeling of that game and kind of the vibes and the ambiance. Because even mm-hmm. now, 
I can think of that. And there's not many games that I can think about how I felt when I was playing that game. And I can and I can directly go back to that and be like, oh man, it was so eerie and and just like the setting and everything they did. I, I that game is I, that game. And I've already said one game is underrated today, but that game is incredibly underrated. Yeah, especially within the Remedy catalog for sure. Yeah, it's great characters too. I love uh, Ati the janitor. That's my yeah. dude, man. Mm-hmm. He's he's so. He, that characters like that are so, like they're so mysterious, and they do a great job in that game of like not spelling out why things are the way they are. They they purposely leave right. things as open ended and mysterious, um, and they not a lot of games can pull that off with writing. Um, no, this no, one no, does no. a great job of of leaving things just a bit vague, so that you kind of let your mind wander and connect your own dots about why certain people are the way they are, or why certain objects came to be that have these powers. Um, it, it's just it's brilliant writing from them, and I hope to see more of that uh, with their next kind of wave Same. of games that they have coming out soon. Um, Second game I, I I revisited briefly was Into the Breach. Um, this is, oh, yeah. by many accounts, um, one of the best RTS games that has come out uh, in the last decade. I would say um, it's it's perfect blend of simplicity and complexity. I think really um, spoke to me when it first came out, and it's a game that I've always kept installed on my Switch, uh, especially you know when I want to kind of play something short and sweet. Um, it's something that I'll dabble with every now and again. I put a little bit more time into it over the past week because I've had more time to play, uh, you know, older stuff. Uh, and plus, I got a chance to see a little bit more of the uh, the, the new content that they added in uh, right. recently. Yeah. And uh, I, this is such a great package when it comes to uh, RTS game, even for somebody like me who's not a hardcore fan of the genre. Um, this is just the perfect bite-sized type of game that is not expecting you to study and, and know every roll of the dice and every possibility it, it it really knows how to sort of rein things in and not be over complicated but still give you um you know still give you a run for your money at the same time yeah. um so i've yeah. really enjoyed it i went ahead and i played it i i, I beat it with an entire squad uh, all the way through so I, I kind of achieved what i wanted to and it's something i'll probably dabble in every now and again every couple months or so uh, but it's just a great game to keep in the rotation every now and again because of just how how well made it is and how it doesn't occupy too much of your time uh but still leaves a, a really good impression on you after you play it so um that's kind yeah, of it that's kind of it for me on, on game I've been playing. <clears throat> yeah, Into the Breach is, is is one of those games that uh, I, I I didn't know I, I loved or, or needed until I played it, and I, I loved it. It also came out like on iOS, I think. I've been meaning to check it out on there just to kind of have it on the go. But mm. um, but yeah, man, those are good games to be playing right now for sure. Yeah, next week we'll probably have some uh, some new stuff to talk about for sure uh, with some of the games that are dropping on Game Pass and and so on and so forth. But uh, again, yeah, it's kind of nice. You, it's kind of nice to do this. Let me. Let me kind of throw you an off-the-cuff question here. Are, what are you more excited uh, uh, for next week in Game Pass? Um, that Monster Hunter Rise or uh, Persona 4? Because I'm per- Persona 4 Golden. Because I'm really looking forward to Persona 4. Just to kind of... I've never played it. So. Yeah. I mean, I don't think you're going to... If you didn't finish Persona 5, I don't think you're going to come close to finishing no, no, Persona no, I, 4. No, no, no. And I'm not going um, to beat it. But I just kind of want to... Uh, dabble. You know, yeah experience it because i know people talk about that in equal terms of five i mean listen I, it's not like i put five hours into to five i put like 
uh, it was all said and done, 120 hours when I played it twice. That's to the 60-hour mark. It just <laughs> fell off. Uh, so it's not like I, I, I didn't put time into it. But I, I it's just I experienced 4 because people love 4 so much. Uh, I've had people say that 4 is better than 5 and vice versa. Mm-hmm. But, you know, so. Yeah, yeah, definitely Persona 4, though, if I had to answer your question. And yeah. I, it, it really is, uh, you know, I think 4 and 5 kind of, they stand pretty tall side by side. I think even though five is the more polished and refined game and obviously the most popular, I think four did a lot of really interesting things narratively. Um, Although there are some common threads, they do have a lot of parallels with their writing. The uh, four to me was, um, I think as an overall premise compared to like the whole, you know, phantom thieves going in and kind of going into your, your conscious and, that kind of thing. I liked. The, I liked the angle they did with four a little bit better, um, but that's kind of the thing with the, with between four and five. They're all. It's kind of a toss up in most of the areas. You would kind of critique them both. Um, some is a little stronger than another game, vice versa. It just that's kind of how it is with these two. But I'm really interested in playing it. I I, I want to finish it in, in full. As far as Monster Hunter Rise goes, um, I've had the hardest time getting into that series. It, yeah. I don't. I don't know what that. Well, let me. I lied. I mean, I do kind of know what the hang-up is. I think that the the opening hours of Monster Hunter games are, are way too dense with tutorials and systems and mechanics. And I, I find that you spend so much time having to learn the game that you, that you can't properly assess how much fun you're having with it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, you're just so caught up in, okay, what is mechanics. this thing I got to do? And how does this system work? Wait, am I even having fun right now? Like, and, and then I just kind of yeah. like, you know, question myself in that way, and I lose interest. I, you know, I played a demo of Rise when it dropped on Switch, and I think I kind of arrived at the same conclusion. It was just a better feeling version of the same confusion that I don't really care for. So, I mean, I, am I going to try it? Yeah, because why not? But I don't know if I'm going to have like a, you know, uh, a, a radically different experience this time around. Although you never know. But that, that's kind of my yeah. pick. What about well, you? I think Monster Hunter World is 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 probably the most accessible of them because of just how it plays. But um, yeah, I, I'm I'm not really. I I actually played Rise on Switch, and um, it's a game that I put like five six hours into, and it was just it's too it's it's the kind of Monster Hunter game like uh, that is like Monster Hunter I think Ultimate is it I think it's called where it's too it there's too much going on there's too cumbersome there it, it it's too high. It operates on a level where I'm not there with it. Like it, I'm not. I don't get it. I don't understand it too much. Uh, to, I feel like I'm playing it wrong every time. Every time I'm playing Same. it. Same. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So unlike World, where World, it was pretty easy to, to kind of uh, get a grasp on. I'm looking forward to more of the World portion of like if they ever do a sequel to that. But yeah, for me, it's Persona Four Golden. Like I mentioned, I can't wait to to, to dabble that until uh, until more games come out. Uh, yeah. Actually, the next the very next day we got a uh, uh, Fire Emblem engaged. Yep, so yeah, maybe yeah, maybe I, I won't get too much into Golden like I, I originally wanted because mm-hmm. I didn't think about that. But yeah, all right. Well, I think that's going to wrap up loadouts for this week, Pablo. Let's go ahead and jump into the new segment of the show we call Hit Points. Let's go for breaking news, rumors, and booty juice. It's time for Hit Points. All right, man. So we have four. Uh, hit points to cover in this week's episode. Um, 
some very interesting topics for sure. Uh, the, the year is seemingly starting off with some really interesting headlines. And Pablo, you've got two of them you want to share, but why don't you go ahead and kick off the first one uh, that we can dabble sure. into now. Yeah, well, the Xbox showcase for early 2023 is happening this very month. The showcase will be called Developer Direct. Uh, it will take place on January 25th. Uh, games expected to appear include uh, Redfall, Forza Motorsport, and Microsoft Legends. I'm Minecraft, sorry, Minecraft yeah. Legends. Uh, <laughs> excuse me. Yeah. That much-anticipated Starfield may or may not appear during the Developer's Direct. What are our expectations for this uh, Developer uh, Direct and... Uh, the games uh, that are going to be shown. And is Starfield uh, like a must show uh, at this event? Marco, what do you think? Um, so there's a few ways to kind of tackle this question. I think first and foremost, I think that the concept of doing a direct is a great idea for Xbox. Um, I think that is hugely necessary. Um, if their catalog is going to be as robust as everyone says it is, then they're going to need multiple showcase-like events throughout the year to cover those bases uh, and keep us, um, you know, posted on what's going on. So that, in and of itself, good good call. If if um, you know, depending on how the format goes and if it ends up being, you know, a good a good structure, then then good good decision on on Xbox for That's sure. That's right. Yeah. Um, as far as this first one goes. Um, I think they got to kind of go all out with this first one. I think they need to really set expectations uh, that really map out the foundation of what this year is going to be for them. Um, I don't think that they can afford to just kind of be blasé with this event because people have been waiting a long time to hear from Xbox. Uh, And so, you know... I don't know what the the full list of games are going to be in the end, but I will say that if your main event type of games, so to speak, are Redfall, Forza Motorsport, and Minecraft Legends, I don't think that's going to be enough, um, personally. Uh, So to answer the second part of that question, I think Starfield is an absolute must-show. I think it has to be shown. Um, We not only need that to be shown, but I think at this point, it's safe to say that I think we need a release date too. Um, I, I just don't think that Xbox can afford to leave people in a state of uncertainty after their, their very first developer direct. You don't want to end your very first one with where is the biggest game of Xbox's year? <laughs> you know, I get that they may, according to what we've heard, they want to do a dedicated direct just for Starfield, and that's fine, but you can still do both. I don't think you have to necessarily say, hey, uh, we're not going to show Starfield this time. We'll we'll catch you next time. I think at the very least, you can give us, I don't know, a sizzle trailer in a, a release date. And then then I think people will be more patient for whatever their Starfield only showcase is going to be. But in my personal opinion, I I think it would be borderline inexcusable for them to not have Starfield, to have some sort of presence for their very first direct that would set the tone for their year. Uh, But that's my perspective. Where are you at? Yeah, I I disagree a little. I I think that uh, if, if, now this is all if, if this is going to be something that, Xbox is going to do often where they're going to have a developer direct every few months to show off what's coming down the line. I think that 
and uh, from a business standpoint, it would it would it would be better for them to just focus on Redfall Forza and Minecraft Legends because those are the games that are coming out before Starfield. However, it can't be radio silence. I think that they have to address the elephant in the room and say, "Hey, we join us February or March when we give you uh, an Xbox uh, developer direct." On Starfield, they have to address Starfield in one way uh, or the other. I don't think that they have to give you a release date or even show too much, as long as they're addressing it. Because I think what happens is, uh, if you're out there and you have this and you talk about Redfall, Forza, Minecraft, and other games, and you don't even mention Starfield, at that point the conversations will start turning. What's going on with Starfield? Why are they confident that they're showing it? Like, even though it's a business decision in that, well, let's focus on the games that are going to come out before Starfield. Let's get some hype behind Redfall. Let's get some hype behind Forza Motorsport and Minecraft Legends. You still have to address that elephant in the room. So I disagree with you in that they have to have a presence in that they're showing a release date or anything like that, but they have to address it to a certain extent. Only if this is a thing that's happening more often and that also has in my opinion also kind of has to be said like hey this is one of many like they can't just say um this and then not mention any other directs or anything coming in the future and then have starfield out on the lark because that would be that would be weird um but if and and there's been some reports out saying that this is something that xbox is going to do throughout the year uh and if that's the case then i'm okay with it and they don't have to always preemptively tell me what's next on their next direct but this case is a little bit different with starfield being that it has been delayed out of last year um they did say it's coming out uh, in twenty early twenty twenty three, but it, it's just to, to kind of you had a terrible year last year. You want to kind of show your people that we we hear you. We're not going to pretend that Starfield doesn't doesn't exist, but it doesn't need to be at the show per se. Only if those parameters are met. If this is a direct that's going to happen more than once. If in fact they are going to have one for Starfield, say that. Uh, but you have to address the elephant in the room. But I'm okay if we get a Redfall release date, a Forza Motorsport release date, and a Minecraft Legends release date. We get all those main three, and we get release dates and really in-depth looks at each of those games. I think we should be satisfied. Uh, I think I would be satisfied enough to know that okay, we got this out of the way. And now the next thing is Starfield, and they've already told me we're going to talk about it soon. Um, I, that's how I feel about this whole situation. Well, I mean, to me, and obviously we're in different places here i I think to me the the concern i have is if we kind of as an xbox community right if we're sort of i don't know if the the word condoning is the best word but it's the one i can think of for the moment but if we're kind of condoning um not seeing starfield in your inaugural direct after the year that was 2022 i think that sends the wrong message to Xbox who has had a routinely and persistently hard time with marketing games, which we've talked about on the show too. Um, their rollouts have been outright bizarre sometimes and what they choose to market and not market has been bizarre as well. So I think if we were to kind of brush that off, I think that would send a message of, well, no, the community doesn't seem too upset about not seeing Starfield. When I think, you know, already we're kind of hearing like, yo, Starfield doesn't show up, dude. You know, that that could be not an L of catastrophic proportions, but that can be a that can be a pretty big letdown for yeah, really I, setting I, the tone I, for the year. 
I think that perception is just internet wanting immediate satisfaction and things today. I I I, I, I know what you're saying, and I agree with with a lot of that. But I think if they at least address Starfield existing which we know it does and they're going to talk about it on a later date i think that's okay i mean look we we have to hold we, sure we're holding standards to different companies in different ways but i mean nintendo does this all the time where they have a direct and it, it's they don't talk about the game you think they're going to talk about and then they release the direct specifically just for the game itself if if xbox is going to follow that uh then i think again like last year anything that happens right now if you're in it for the long game and you're and you're confident what you have for the year, the whole January direct not having Starfield is going to be something nobody thinks about once June comes around and Starfield is out and it's great. Um, but I, it's just one of those things. I don't think that they can't. I don't think they could walk in here, show a direct, and not mention Starfield. That I think would be like an L, and I think that would be inexcusable. They at the very least have to say, "Hey, Starfield is coming later this year." Uh, just so you know, we'll have more on that in, in the next Direct in a couple of weeks, couple of months. They don't even have to tell me specifically when, obviously before the game comes out. But I just, <clears throat> I don't think that's giving them an excuse. I, I, I think that's just letting them do what they need to do. Like, if they're going to fall on their face by doing this and and, and, and not work out for them, then then, then we're going to take them, we're going to take them to task for, the, for it. But I think right now, if they're being focused on our, our three games that are going to come out before Starfield, pumping out Starfield in front of these games is going to dilute Redfall, Forza, and Minecraft just a little bit because Starfield is 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 enormous. It's going to be huge. It's going to be one of the most talked about games of the year. Uh, and so giving the other games a little bit more space to breathe and have their moment in the sun before Starfield kind of takes over, I think that's a smart move. However, again, and I know I'm repeating myself here, they have to talk about Starfield in one way or the other. They have to really say, hey, we know it's it's coming soon. Uh, and, and it had Todd Howard on there, because but that's gonna be on the show. So Todd Howard kind of bring it up, address it. Uh, but I I don't know if if they're not showing up and not in terms of like the show and not having a presence at all. I don't know if that's gonna I don't think that's uh, the worst thing ever. Um, uh, but they do have to address it for sure. All right. What's the other one you got? Yeah, um, well, more along the lines of Xbox stuff here. In an interview with Games Radar, Redfall's creative director, uh, Ricardo Bear, Ricardo Bear, and studio director Harvey Smith pushed back on the notion that Redfield is a left for dead Whoa. like Redfall. Ricard <laughs> that's what I said. Redfall. You said Redfield. What I said. <laughs> uh, Redfall is a left for dead like uh, Ricardo Bear explained. Uh, quote, it's totally understandable for somebody to come to that conclusion. There are four playable characters you can play together cooperatively, and you're going against the undead. But in terms of the way you play the ex and experience Redfall, it's not like those games at all. Redfall is more like loading into Far Cry, end quote. He then went on to give more context of what you do in Redfall, stating that, quote, you're in a big-ass open world. We have some home base where you can talk to uh, NPCs and get side quests. You can go to the mission table and pick up story-driven missions, or you cannot give a shit about any of those uh, and just... What did I put? And just head outside, pick a direction, start hauling ass, and run into the living living world uh, stuff. And we have, bro, this guy talks like a fucking frat boy. Uh, anyway, does this change your uh, perception and uh, excitement uh, level for Redfall? Oh my god, dude! All right, I'm gonna try not to go on a tangent here, but I'm so fucking irritated with Arcane sometimes, dude. This this 
this screams like what they tried to do with Deathloop all over again, where they they went out of their way to try to explain that game as anything other than a roguelike when it was just a different kind of the same roguelike thing. Like what they described in that quote, <laughs> it's basically back for blood. I mean, it's it's a home, it's a hub world where you can go to a yeah. table, accept missions, and you can talk to NPCs. I mean, the only difference is that I guess it's more of a seamless world where you don't have to kind of enable, you know, like initiate a mission and then you're loading into something. You can just kind of go off right, and right, do right. it in a seamless way. Yeah. But I don't know. Uh, the Far Cry comparison to me is absolute fucking nonsense in my brain. I mean, obviously no one's played the final game yet, and, and maybe we'll see it at the showcase and go, oh, you know, now I can kind of see what he's talking about. But to me, that is just the the most... It is it is the most obnoxious comparison I think I've heard of a game. It, it, again, it just it feels like they're going out of their way to sort of um, to no, it's not the game you think it is. It's not the game you think it is. And then when you kind of get the game, it kind of feels like you thought it would be. And 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 these comparisons are so loose. Like I'm sure, like Far Cry is basically the most boilerplate open world game out there, arguably, right? It does all the standard yeah. tropey trite kind of things that an open world game does. So I'm sure on some level, as an open world uh, you know, co-op game, there's gonna be something that's probably Left for Dead like because Left for Dead does every trite thing possible for an open world game. You know what I mean? So it's like, sure, yeah. I guess technically it's probably like Far Cry Far Cry. I, okay, but what is that really doing to help me understand this game? It just feels like yeah. the same kind of rollout as Deathloop where they're talking about the game more than we're actually seeing it and seeing like what a 10 or 15 minute window of time in that game is really like. And and hopefully, again, we'll we'll get answers sooner than later. But I'm just, yeah. it's time to stop talking about it and it's time to start showing it. That's that's all I have to say. Well, I, I, here's my thing. I, I think that the reason they use Far Cry is because Far Cry is the most boilerplate open world game. And I guess that's the message that we're trying to get across, that this is a more traditional open world single player experience. And so I think you don't get more, you don't get more, you don't get more of that than Far Cry. I And you can play cooperatively in Far Cry as well. But I, I I do think that the mistake was early on when they tried to kind of market this game as a cooperative experience. And then it feels like they're double backing on that a little. However, when you go back to the old interviews, they've always said that this game uh, is single player first and, and multiplayer second. They even to the point where when you play the game by yourself, you don't play with uh, uh, AI companions or anybody else. You play by yourself. Uh, so there's no there's no um, there's no um, bots or anything like that that join you like you would in Left 4 Dead. So even even there, there's a difference there. Um, but I agree with you. I, I I think that the the way that they've kind of gone back and forth with the dichotomy between what they've shown gameplay wise and how they're talking about the game almost feels like two different games because, you know, they had the whole showcase where they were talking, people were talking to each other. Oh, take a shot. All right. I got it. Like that just feels like, like a, like a left for dead. Like, and I think, you know, maybe they're maybe it is maybe they're just trying to get away from the stench of back for blood uh because that was a failure unfortunately uh or maybe it's not maybe they wanted to kind of uh they kind of wanted to market the game this way because they thought this was going to be the next wave and their game has the option to do that as well but um i i would say that uh going through everything that i've seen and, and kind of seeing some videos i am excited for the game i i do think that if this could be arcane's 
uh, style of, of Far Cry open world game, putting together everything they've learned. Uh, I think that I'm ready for something a little more traditional from them. Uh, you know, being Deathloop being super disappointing for me. Uh, I am excited to see what this game is. I guess I'm more curious than anything. Uh, but that, that's where I'm at with, with this. Uh, I just it, it just feels it just feels like they're out here doing some retconning a little bit. Um, I, I, I don't think that this game personally is like a Left 4 Dead, like Left 4 Dead because they explicitly, they explicitly said that it's not. So if it is, <laughs> if they go out there and say it is, and it, and it is what it, it is with that, that's, that's, that's such a huge L like that is, that's straight at them lying to you. Uh, at least with, with, uh, with, um, uh, with Deathloop, they obfuscated a little bit the, the 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 way that you would talk about a roguelike. They never said it's not a roguelike. They just said it's it's they obfuscated a little bit in terms of what a roguelike is and how they're defining the genre. Blah blah blah. But uh, we'll see here. I am excited for Redfall though. Uh, it's just one of those games that um, it's so damn interesting to me because it can go. It can either be great or it can be complete and utter horseshit. And uh, Arcane lately has 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 been taking some weird chances with with their kind of. Um, development so we'll see where we go from here yeah i mean here's the thing before before we move on i think that um bethesda in my opinion really has to get their messaging in a better place overall with their studios because i don't know whether it's if they want to show more than they're allowed to or if they like being cryptic sometimes i can't make heads or tails um, it just seems like they are a company that sort of prides themselves on handing out these little morsels of verbal information about their games. And you have to kind of dissect and analyze and infer and compile this, these, well, uh, in this interview, Todd Howard said this about Starfield and then, well, uh, Arcane said last year that it was going to be, it, it, it's a lot of like yeah. dot connecting that I think is so unnecessary. It, it's just frustrating. Like it, it should not be this hard to explain the premise of your game and show it to people. Like it's, right. it just shouldn't be this difficult. Like I should not have to like what you just did now, like having to like talk about what they said in an earlier interview last year yep. and juxtaposing yep. that with what they are saying. It's just completely unnecessary. unnecessary. So I yeah. really hope that once Starfield and Redfall are out, like in their pipeline moves forward, that they are not just verbally forthcoming, but like, their their entire communication method is is more polished than it is right now. Yeah, and it's a, it's a new it's a new development because back in the day, Bethesda, like for example, Fallout Four, they didn't talk about Fallout Four till six months before it released, where they actually announced it and then it released six months later. So they didn't have to do that with that game. But I think this is a cross between. Um, marketing and, and and kind of ideas in a game. Like the marketing of it being that Left 4 Dead was about to come out or uh, Back 4 Dead was about to come out and I feel like they wanted to kind of uh, they kind of ride, wanted to ride that a little bit with um, with Redfall and I think they've made a mistake because Back 4 Blood was not good. And I think when you look at uh, Deathloop, Deathloop honestly is not a game that you can easily get that message across through trailers. Playing that game is it really when it clicked for me as to what this game was and how it actually worked. Um, 
Um, so it, it's just one of those things where concepts meets marketing, and they they're doing everything they possibly can to uh, to to kind of cater to what the moment is. And I think that they failed miserably at that each and every turn, especially when they took a chance with Redfall and trying to make it seem like it's the next Back for Blood, and Back for Blood being a total and utter mess. And be like, <laughs> just kidding, guys, this is a single player experience. <laughs> uh, so yeah. we'll see. I hope it doesn't feel like a single player ex- a multiplayer experience when they shoehorn in a single player experience. I, I feel like. It, if anything, I hope it feels the other way around. Like the multiplayer stuff actually doesn't feel as good as a single player. If if I had to choose, uh, yeah. but yeah, what do you got? Right. I know you got some stuff here on hit points that we want to get through. Indeed. So, uh, Pablo, The Last of Us uh, has an HBO show coming out very soon, and uh, the PR rollout has left some fans concerned leading up to its debut. Uh, starting with showrunner Craig Mazin, I think is his name, uh, pointing out the differences between death and video games and then live action shows and movies, stating, quote, watching a person die, I think, ought to be much different than watching pixels die, end quote. Uh, he also said that The Last of Us is, quote, the greatest story ever told in video game history, end quote, with some taking issue on how The Last of Us is being set up as the only story worth telling in video games. And there's also been some changes made from the video game lore, uh, which the the main one is that the show will not feature spores um, as a way of sort of transmission for the virus. Instead, uh, it's something called tendrils, which they've hinted at as some sort of network of communication used by the infected. So I guess the question with all these things in mind, Pablo, is are any of these concerns valid? And will the Last of Us series um, miss the point? Yeah, I don't think uh, the Last of Us series is going to miss the point. I, concerns valid? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it it always discourages vid- hardcore video game fans when someone who obviously doesn't play video games kind of says stuff like, you know, uh, the death in in video games and live action movies, did, uh, saying that it should it it'd feel different because it's something different about watching pixels die. That kind of stuff is a little disheartening, and then you know, making it seem because a lot of the interviews are making it seem like. The Last of Us is the first time ever a great story has been told in video games. And that kind of stuff is a little discouraging. But I think that's all about marketing and the way that they're talking about uh, the show itself. Because they're not catering this to video game fans. They're catering this to everybody. If, if, in fact, they're catering it to non-video game fans because this is a prestige HBO show. So when it comes to the quality of the show, I don't think any of these things really matter to, towards that. Uh, I think you can be concerned with what they'll do based on the fact that uh, 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 Craig Mazin is not a a gamer uh but you know drunk beat is there side by side with him so th- that should kind of quail some of those expectations uh of, of those uh those concerns right there as for the changes in the show itself with spores going to tendrils listen i don't think <clears throat> a lot of people make a huge deal about spores i think spores uh i mean sure they're part of the lore but they're not the thing that makes the last of us the last of us you know it's it's a it's it's a small change that really doesn't do much for the overarching story of joel and ellie and there's a reason for it that they have to make a nine episode show where the game that has maybe four hours of like 
cinema uh, cinematics and the rest is gameplay so uh, there's a lot of that they have to, to to kind of address they have to expand some stuff and if we're able to see more about the infected and how they work and we're able to see more of the history of joel more of the history of ellie and that's expanded to to give us more it's almost like a like a, a, a companion piece of the game where you get more information i think that's awesome i think that that's great and uh if anything has been shown I'm, the reviews are out for the season it had a 97 percent at rotten tomatoes for those who care about that kind of stuff so far so good i i think uh so yeah level of concern i don't think it's huge in terms of validness yeah there's some things that you can take issue with like oof, i hope that you know that kind of it kind of sucks that you're talking about video games in that way but ultimately as a show itself it looks like the last of us is in good hands uh and it looks like it's killing it right now so yeah um here's the thing i feel like there is some there's some kind of innate um thing about the last of us that i think just somehow pisses people off perpetually and it's so irritating at this point (laughs) um the last of us part two took shit the last of us part one remake took shit now people are trying to find shit about this this show um and to me here's the thing um we've got to stop hanging on to every word that show creators or showrunners have to say. Um, they're obviously proud of their work. They think highly of the, the, you know, the IP they're working on. Um, and a lot of these people, yes, they don't have the same affinity for how we experience video games as, as others do. Um, I just think it's, it's kind of, weird to expect to expect people like this to say all the right things right like i I think that there's a lesser of two evils like if if this person said hey we didn't read the source material we're just kind of referring to it like we've heard many times before with other video game adaptations then i could totally understand concern but it seems like to me this person has um you know quite a fondness for the story and and with the partnership of neil Druckmann there as well that they were going to fully realize this this ip the the right way or as close to the right way as possible but you know concessions have to be made you know what works great for a video game does not work great for a television show it just doesn't and so people really gotta relax with this last of us bashing every fucking time something comes out with this ip people got something to say like guys this is a tv show not everything is going to work the things that work in a in a 10 hour game do not work in a, a season of, of content with like live action and real actors. It just doesn't. So some yeah, things I, have to be transformed, shifted around and pivoted. Sometimes it's as simple as, Hey, that character they casted doesn't look like the video game counterpart. And sometimes it's, matter, it's, yeah, it's a, it's matter, more yeah. of a meaningful how this all came to be sort of backstory. Either way, I think we all have to just do a better job of coming into these things open-minded. I know the track record sucks when it comes to how well yeah. these adaptations come out, but um, you got to take things by a case-by-case basis. And everything we've seen and heard about leading up to this this show coming out has been largely positive and exciting, unless you're just so much of a fucking cynic 
um, that n- nothing The Last of Us can do can ever please you, which unfortunately there's a lot of people out there like that, that, which is, yeah. those people are insufferable. And I, I can't stand the way that they sort of, no pun intended, infect the discourse about this this franchise the way they do. Um, so my concerns are, are very minimal, if any, and I think that this show will be just fine. Yeah, I mean, when you look at the first of all track record of Craig Mizen, he did uh, Chernobyl for HBO, which is an absolute fantastic show. If you guys haven't watched that, watch the hell out of that. It's an amazing show. The fact that HBO is not only uh, getting behind this show, but also getting behind this show as prestige television, the way that they do usually for other shows uh, in their lineup, uh, like a show like The Leftovers, which is an incredible show on on HBO uh, HBO that is is a consider prestige tv the way that they're treating it in the same way that's why i have no concerns no real concerns now i will say like you said marco there is the track record of adaptations and that's how games and movies based on video games fail is the adaptation to the movie or to the show never or sometimes don't work great uh they, they choose the wrong things to focus on um and i always think that it is a little disheartening anytime anybody talks about the the source material in any kind of negative way but as the show itself in terms of the quality of it there's just too many things that are going for it for me to be disappointed mm-hmm. including the fact that neil Druckmann is literally there every step of the way right co-writing the the he made the game guys this is the guy who made the game he's this doesn't happen you, you don't have the creator of resident evil or halo sitting next to the showrunner literally co-writing the show with it. that does not happen right there and then a lot of your uh issues should go away with that and again the fact that it's hbo the fact that hbo does prestige tv like no other sopranos the wire all incredible shows in their in their history and the fact that they're pumping up this show to be their show of, of 2023 being like their leading prestige show should say a lot even if this if even if this comes out and it is completely different which from all intents and purposes it's not completely different from the original source material if they're able to tell a story that's engaging and as incredible as the original story itself i'm there for it too you know it, it is what it is at that point yeah yeah all right uh so then the fourth and final hit point news item uh to wrap it all up is that in a recent interview with dread xp bloober team has promised that they are not uh, quote, missing the point, end quote, with the Silent Hill 2 remake. They said, quote, we faithfully stick to the traditional story canon while remaking the gameplay and updating the graphics from the ground up. These are the reasons why Konami entrusted us with the remake in the first place, end quote. So, Pablo, the question is, uh, does this instill uh, confidence in the project or does Bloober Team's less than stellar output still cast uh, some shadow of doubts on the final product? Yeah, a little bit of both. I think that, you know, uh, you have to understand that they did give this to Blooper Team. They must have, they must have seen, Konami must have seen something in them that they trust that they can do this. This is a huge uh, remake for them, uh, especially if they're trying to restart the Silent Hill uh, franchise. Um, and, and the fact that they say they're faithfully sticking to the traditional story, canon while remaking gameplay and updating the graphics from the ground up, th- those are the kind of stuff that you want from remakes unless you're going the uh, Final Fantasy VII route. But uh, honestly, 
I, I don't have much in way of, of opinions on this. Uh, I know Bloober is a team that does very mediocre games. Um, and I am more interested to see what you have to say. You're the Silent Hill guy here. Uh, you know exactly what Blooper is and isn't. Uh, are you, in fact, uh, confident that they're able to, to pull this off? Or because of their output, you're still a little worried, even though they, they've, they've, they've reassured us uh, over and over again that they, they know what they're doing? Yeah, so you know, I thought about this question a lot, and I think it's 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 been easy for me over the last few months to kind of go, ugh, Bloober team, right? Yeah. Um, and right. I think there's reason for that, but you know, I think what makes this project interesting for them is that this is not an original IP, and I wonder if at least a portion of their problem over the years has been that their original work has not really been up to snuff and that everything good kind point. of falls apart around it because of the the, mm-hmm. the core not being good, right? So you take that out of the equation because now you're working with Silent Hill and Silent Hill is bona fide, right? So now you bonafide. don't have to do a lot of heavy lifting in terms of story, in terms of character development, in terms of ideas. That's all been mapped out for you. So not to be reductive in saying that they have an easier path because this is a very, very touchy project with so many fans kind of hoping for the best here. But a lot of the the deeper thinking about plot progression and story and characterization and is this an interesting thing that we're doing here is kind of a non-factor now. And now you just have to make a good game. Uh, around it. And so that's where my biggest questions lie with them. Um, And I think for that to be in a good place, they've got to show that they can do more than just make a walking simulator. Because I think the medium for all intents and purposes was just a bunch of walking around and finding items and the occasional little moment where you're doing a little bit more than walking. And that was it, right? So Blair Witch... Yeah, it's just they don't have a lot of variety or dynamics to their gameplay formula. So I think that's where my biggest question is, because that's what needs the biggest overhaul. The story is fine. Yeah, it's okay. You're remaking. I was going to ask you that. So is a story if they do one for one of the story, do you don't think there's anything that needs to be updated no, at all? The story? Not at all. Okay. No, that's maybe good. some dialogue maybe maybe gets translated a little bit oh, better, yeah, 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 but yeah, yeah. that's that's probably the, the extent of it. It's really going to be the gameplay and updating, especially if you're putting it over the shoulder um, like Resident Evils are. That's got to feel good. Right. So I, I hope that they are really investing in. Uh, into two areas. Number one is keeping the bugs and glitchiness down to a minimum. And number two is making sure the combat and exploration feels good from a control standpoint uh, and a camera standpoint. And if they can handle those two things, the game's already written and in, 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 in the books. So I hope it shouldn't be that much of a reach for them to make a solid product. It certainly looked good. Yeah. So I don't think they're having any issues with it visuals did. and presentation. Yeah. So. And I, I think that's something you can say about the medium. At the very least, it looked really cool. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but that is going to wrap up hit points for this week. Uh, we're going to go ahead and transition into the main event of the show that we call the checkpoint chat. Let's go. It's time for the checkpoint chat. All right, Pablo. So as promised, 
2023 is upon us. It is time to start thinking about the games that we are going to be playing this year. Uh, and thankfully, we have a pretty exciting list of games uh, compared to previous years uh, to look forward to. So uh, we thought this would be a good time to kind of visit our list of, of top games that we want to play or that we're looking forward to this year and uh, basically rank them hoes as we as we like to do. <laughs> uh, so uh, basically what we're going to do, if, if you checked out our our personal game of the year episode with our combined game of the year episode, you know, we at the end, we kind of ran through our honorable mentions and then we ran through our 10 favorite games of the year. We're doing a, a very similar format this time around. We're going to list some honorable mention games that we're somewhat excited about. And then we're going to give you uh, in uh, in a particular order uh, our 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, all them games ranked uh, from least anticipated to most anticipated. Uh, so, Pablo, um, I think we'll go ahead and get started with you. Uh, talk okay. to me about your honorable mention games that you're looking forward to. Are yours in order? Uh, no, not my honorable mention. Okay, no. yeah. Yeah, mine either. Okay, so uh, I'll start off here with The Plucky Squire, uh, a game that was shown off last year. It looks like a super traditional Zelda-like from the top, but it's actually like a storybook uh, setting to it. Mm -hmm. You actually come out of the pages, and it becomes like a fully realized 3D world that you are uh, navigating through. And it looks incredibly interesting. I think if they're able to do 75% of what the game is promising, I think The Plucky Squire is going to be one of the indie darlings. And it's, not, and it's finally going to be something different that isn't just a a homage with a dark souls twist which we're i'm done uh, seeing those i hope it's something different there uh, the next one on my list is fallout 4 a remaster slash london mod um there are, the fallout 4 remaster is coming this year they've already announced that super excited about that i started to play fallout 4 last year stopped based on this announcement um there's going to be some bug fixes bug fixes some visual stuff which is great you know seeing that all these years later and there's a full-on fallout london uh, coming out next year for PC only, but because we they support mods in Fallout 4, I hope that Bethesda is able to give us the opportunity to play that. That is a full-on 20-hour game that is based on Fallout 4 engine, but it's all based in London, and it's given they've given the blessing to the studio to do that. In fact, I think some people who worked on Fallout are working on that London mod. Uh, I would hope to see that one day uh, on, on consoles. So I just kind of want to throw that in there to kind of mention it. Uh, and then, surprisingly, even for me, making my own mention and not my top 10. It's Alan Wake 2. Alan Wake 2 is a game that I said is not coming out this year, uh, but we're, we're going to go ahead and, 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 and go off what they're saying, that it is coming this year. So if it is, it's definitely highly anticipated for me. Uh, I, I want to see what they do with this. I, I want to see how they how they improve on Alan Wake, which is a lot of room to improvement, but I, uh, you know, I'm interested to see what the writing goes, if they finally go open world like Alan Wake original was supposed to go. A lot of questions here, but ultimately I think that Alan Wake 2 can deliver and I'm um, looking forward to that and then we got Diablo 4 I got into Diablo 3 last year <clears throat> finally uh, really understood what all the hype was about uh, looking forward to Diablo 4 completely open world uh, and it's not you know the open world is not um, how do you call oh my god uh, when they it just the open world is the same for everybody it isn't it's not um, like that persistently changing kind of thing or whatever they call right, it right 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 yeah. the dun the dungeons are but not the world which is interesting to me i i do like procedurally generated that's what it was procedurally yeah, yeah. generated that's right the dungeons are but the world isn't which is great because that way you know their, their exploration to the whole thing and that believe it or not that small detail really got me because 
th- when you look at other open world games that have oh go here into this area like you'll be able to explore areas and 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 and, and kind of share those experiences with people rather than it just appeared here because the computer decided to put one zero together and that's where it's like sure the the dungeons are like that it's fine but i do like the fact that it's completely open world and it's more of an rpg and then the wolf among us 2 uh highly anticipated my favorite uh of the uh telltale games the wolf among us part two is coming uh i hope that it comes out i hope there's none of those glitches that we saw in the original game uh but it is definitely uh a game that i'm very excited about can't wait to get back to Bigsby Wolf and, and see what what other crazy things he's getting into in the world of fables. What's up, Marco? How about your honorable mentions? Before I jump in with mine, is is Plucky Swire on Game Pass? I don't know. I you know what? I don't know. I, I from my understanding, it was on Su- it's a Switch game. Oh, okay. Uh, I don't know why I thought it was but, on Xbox. Uh, I could be wrong though. But it's yeah. I, I'll double check here. Okay. Um, it's PC so far, and but yeah, uh, nothing here showing. Hmm. Uh, That's Game a Pass. That would have been cool for a little pickup for Xbox if it was coming. Um, all right, yeah. Well, let me go ahead and jump in with my honorable mention games that I'm looking forward to this year. Uh, I'm starting off with Hollow Knight Silk Song. Um, this it kind of was supposed to be in the top ten, but I think we've seen so little of it that. Yeah. I kind of just don't know what to make of the game right now and, and how far along it really is. So I will say that I think just the the fact that it's been MIA for so long, it's kind of made it fall a little bit in my list of you know games I'm hyped for. But I think that it could just as easily shoot right back up uh, with, with the next trailer or gameplay that we see, uh, hopefully coming sooner than later. But for now, it's an honorable mention. It's the first half, of our first half, they said. Mm-hmm. Yep. Up next for me is uh, Dead Space. Um, I'm, I'm not a huge Dead Space guy. I tried the first game a little bit back in the day. I, I revisited it, you know, like kind of last year before actually it was officially announced for the remake. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to like it or not, but I'm definitely intrigued to give it a fair shake now that it's getting the uh, next gen coat of paint and that they're making so many quality of life improvements. Hopefully it'll be something that kind of appeals to me in ways that the original uh, just kind of didn't do, uh, which was baffling because I'm such a horror fan. I should have loved it, but uh, just kind of missed a a little bit for me, but we'll see. Uh, up next, I also have Diablo 4 as an honorable mention. I think this game looks to be in really good, um, you know, in a really good position to be a solid game next year. I'm a little worried about, you know, just Activision Activisioning uh, through this this game, like they have with other Diablo projects. Um, should they keep the fuckery to a minimum, then I think this game should absolutely be a standout. But for right now, that cautious side of my brain is keeping it as an honorable mention, uh, the expanse, a telltale series. Uh, I love this TV series. Um, if you haven't seen it before, it's a really, really good sci-fi, uh, uh, show that you can find on Amazon prime video. Uh, the fact that Telltale is doing a series for this is pretty awesome, and everything that I've seen, other than some little you know quirky bugs and and you know frame rate issues, seems to be uh, really really good looking. So hopefully, it it's going to be a niche ass game, but hopefully it'll be one that speaks to me uh, in a pretty big way yeah. uh, this year. Uh, and then last but not least, Fire Emblem, Fire Emblem Engage uh, rounds it out, and I honestly it's. I put it here more so because it's it's about to come out like in a couple of days. And so I'm 
I think my hype is kind of leveled out because I know it's about to come out soon, whereas a lot of this stuff feels like it's still a little bit further away, and so I think about those games more. So it's more of like a mental reason than anything else, but I'm really hyped to play this game. I have it pre-ordered already, uh, and I'm dying to get started with this one because I loved Three Houses, and I actually like the fact that they're not just kind of replicating the Three Houses formula this time either. Uh, So it could be interesting. It could be a a, a pretty big game for me next year. Uh, This year. Sorry, I keep saying next year. Uh, But that is my uh, list of honorable mentions, Pablo. So um, I think we can go ahead and jump into our top tens here, Pablo. So why don't I go ahead and uh, pass the reins over to you and then uh, run through your list and then we'll talk about it. I'll start at 10. <clears throat> Sorry, uh, 10. Warhammer 40K Space Marine 2. I mean, the first Space Marine game was great. Unfortunately, it was uh, completely uh, covered up by the fact that Gears of War came out and just completely took all its candy until it ate all its lunch. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> but Space Marine 2 is, is you know, Warhammer, people hear that and they like roll their eyes. Rightfully so. Those games are usually terrible. But Space Marine is the darling of the Warhammer community in terms of the the gameplay of it all. It is basically exactly what you think. Here's a war over the shoulder kind of action shooter. But the, the, the set pieces of that game are always incredible. And Space Marine 2 looks like it's going to be that on times 100. And they're putting a lot of money behind it. So I'm super excited for, for more of that. Specific, especially since we're not getting any kind of Gears of War anytime soon. So um, that's definitely up there for me. <clears throat> Number nine. A little bit of a surprise. Let's start to think about it a little bit. Redfall. You know, if it is truly a single-player exploration-based RPG, uh, one of the ways that they experience, uh, they talked about it is if you're in a field and there's a farmhouse and you hear screaming, you can go over there and there's like an event happening. Little things like that, like things that I'm experiencing right now in Red Dead Redemption 2. If, if that truly is what Redfall is, um, I'm, I'm really all about it, man. Uh, they say it's fully built for a single-player game with the ability to play with more than one person, sure, but that it is basically a single player game if that's the way it is then i'm excited for it i am i am i am what I'm, taking their word for it is what i'm doing right now uh because in my head in my head canon this is the kind of game that i want from arcane i want them to go a little back down to basics have an open world uh, that i can explore and 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 their combat and, and all that stuff it, they've they've uh, gotten with people from doom right from uh, the doom series to look at their yeah, first software yeah yeah, it's software to, to, to kind of look at their shooting and see how that felt, and that's promising. Um, so I, I, I want to see exactly uh, what this game turns out to be. It's it's a lot of curiosity, but enough to where it, it, it's a game that I'm excited for uh, here uh, down the line. Um, now we've reached the Like a Dragon portion of my list. Uh, <laughs> like a Dragon uh, guy did. It's more Like a Dragon, um, please. I, I want uh, more of this. I, I think um, maybe I'm overrepresenting the, the franchise in the list a little bit, but all in all, Honestly, uh, looking to the rest of the games announced the, in the games of my own mentions, it's hard for me to hide my excitement for the series. And uh, even more so when this is the connecting tissue, the story of Kiryu, and how he managed to get through those final moments and events of Yakuza 6 all the way up to Like a Dragon. Uh, Kaito Files gave me faith that Like a Dragon team can also deliver incredible stories in smaller packages. And this is kind of what that is. Uh, being able to, to go back into Kiryu's shoes, especially now uh, that Like a Dragon 8 will have you be playing both as Ichiban and Kiryu, I am very, 
excited to see where the story goes here uh in a more traditional yakuza slash like a dragon sense here um that's my number eight uh and a non-traditional like a dragon series another spinoff that is so far-fetched that you would think wouldn't work but everything that i've seen looks absolutely fucking amazing and that's like a dragon ishin uh i mean look at this point i think yakuza is probably entered the top five franchises franchises of all time for me if i'm really really being honest uh I, I, this is technically a remake of a game that came out a couple of years ago never reached the states though uh it looks absolutely awesome it looks uh like bushido blade uh meets the traditional beat-em-up style of um of uh of like a dragon of yakuza games uh marco real quick uh quick interjection here sure. do you think like a dragon 8 is going to have both turn-based and beat-em-up because you play as both as Ichiban and Kiryu. I wonder if once you play as uh, a Kiryu, if you uh, just go back into that that, that traditional action-based uh, fighting. I mean, that'd be weird. Yeah, it would be uh, weird. But if anybody can pull it off, I guess they could. I don't think they should, to be honest. And I don't yeah, think I don't they're think so going either. to because with Judgment as the new brawler IP of theirs, yeah. I think that that just creates weird... That creates a weird overlap, in my opinion. I think when you yeah. committed to taking your get your series from a beat 'em up to a, a Japanese RPG, there's a point of no return that you kind of have to commit to with that, right? So I think they That's should right. probably yeah. stick with it for at least another game. I don't think anybody, other than like the difficulty spikes, I don't think anybody really had too much uh, of a huge problem with the transition. So oh, I don't see no, any reason the why they should they should split it up like that. The fact that it started like an April Fool's joke, and everybody's like, ha, 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 and then the year after, it's actually a game, yeah, and no, they pull serious. it off, is, <laughs> is, is absolutely amazing. The, the so, other part of it, real quick, the- is also because if they were to have both a beat-em-up and a JRPG, yeah. that's two different systems you'd have to have, two different leveling yeah, systems, two, like, yeah. a whole different skill tree. Like That's just way too much game for them, so I think they should just stick to an RPG. I, yeah. Even if it's not much game for them, even if they're able to pull it off, I think that's just too much game, period. Yeah. I think that's a little bit, yeah. And, and you would kind of literally uh, split the fan base uh, in your own game, where it's like exactly. people want that more traditional. Yeah, yeah. So I was just curious about that because that it, it would feel a little weird uh, playing a, uh, like a turn-based RPG with Kiryu-san, but we'll see uh, where that goes here. Uh, number six, or number six here, Spider-Man 2, Insomnia Games. Shocked the world with how good Marvel Spider-Man is and also with Miles Morales, which is absolutely amazing as well. Uh, you could probably put those two games against any open-world action-adventure game and it would probably come out on top in a lot of those cases. I think Spider-Man 2 should not be any different. They have the formula down packed. The, on, uh, the only concern I have is the world. Um, are we back in, in, in New York, Brooklyn? Is it going to be uh, the Bronx or, or the Queen? Sorry. Is it going to be just that, more of that, and, and kind of re-exploring areas that we've seen before which by the way going back to yakuza yakuza has done that for years going back to uh to the same locations and it still is working just fine so i don't think that spider-man has to completely change its its whole entire world but i think that they have to do some interesting things in order to kind of diversify a little bit uh we don't want any kind of redundancies here uh because that's kind of becoming a little bit of a theme for Sony exclusive games where their sequels are 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 great, but they're in a lot of ways just redundant products, just re- a lot of repeated things happening in, in the sequels. But again, super excited for Spider-Man 2. I cannot wait for that. 
My number five, Resident Evil 4 remake, uh, RE2, RE3, phenomenal remakes. Uh, I, I think that... Th- what Capcom is doing with Resident Evil right now it's a big Resident Evil renaissance and everything they've done is been absolutely fantastic and Resident Evil 4 being many people's favorite Resident Evil game I, I you know there's just it, it's hard for me to think that they would drop the ball here you know um, I, a lot of people had some issues with RE3 and how they edited that game a little bit how they took some stuff out I think Resident Evil 4 is the longest of all the Resident Evil games uh, and I would be here for a 40 hour experience with Resident Evil 4 if they're able to kind of uh, go deeper into that story because uh, they've already said there are certain aspects of that story that they actually dig into a little more than the original so I'm excited for that for sure number four uh, we're sticking here with some remakes but this is a little different Final Fantasy 7 Rebirth Final Fantasy uh, Remake took the bar for remakes and made it its own thing it, reimagining revisionist history take on the game that stuff is bold and they took huge chances and huge swings and I think that they nailed it Rebirth is going to be I think a really interesting point for Final Fantasy 7 because there's a lot of stuff here that um, a lot of answers uh, to a lot of answers needed for a lot of questions that they've proposed here uh, especially with the ending of Final Fantasy 7 Remake so I'm excited for Rebirth I, I think uh, 7 was my game of the year the year it came out I, I, I love that game to pieces the, the action of the game the way they've changed it into that more uh, action part of it all I think works so good it's actually so fun to play playing a little bit of Crisis Core uh if anything, the game is extremely fun to, to play. So I love that. Uh, number three, Final Fantasy uh, 16. If you're an RPG fan, there's a mainline Final Fantasy game coming. You get excited. There's no way. There's no other way around it. Uh, this looks awesome. This looks like Game of Thrones. This looks with incredible summon clashes. I do want to see a little bit more of the moment-to-moment gameplay and how the game kind of looks in motion. Uh, but I mean, look, I, I uh, Strangers of Paradise, notwithstanding, Square Enix is also on a roll with Final Fantasy games here. Uh, and if it plays anything like Final Fantasy 15, which people I know aren't huge fans of but the gameplay aspect of it and it's approved upon that it's going to be a, a great entry into the series and it's it almost it almost made my number two in terms of my most anticipated but that went to starfield starfield uh is a game that there's a huge mix here of extreme morbid curiosity along with interest and along with the fact that bethesda one of the greatest rp western rpg uh makers in the world of all time is finally delving into a new IP with Starfield, and that is super interesting, super fun. Finally, getting out of the uh, the fantasy elements of of uh, Elder Scrolls and out of the post apocalyptic future of Fallout, and, and, and we're going into the NASA sci fi future. And there, pro- the things are promising. The things that the game looks to be uh, set to accomplish, if it nails that shit, dude. This is going to be a game that people are going to be playing for many, many, many years and talking about for a very long time. But I have a theory. I think if Starfield is a massive hit, I think that Fallout 5, they'll be, they'll be willing to give that to somebody else to make because they'll probably want to go ahead and start on a sequel to Starfield if it's that huge of a hit, uh, which would be great if, if they can give that off to somebody like uh, somebody who, who's who's competent enough because I don't want to wait Playground games. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god we- <laughs> once they're done with fable in 2038 they'll, they'll get they'll get cracking on yeah. that for you man don't worry they got you yeah once they're done yeah they got they got us they, they're gonna they're gonna re uh create uh they're gonna just use the creation engine and be like fuck <laughs> it uh 
But anyway, that's my number two. My number one, to the surprise of absolutely fucking nobody, is the new racing game. No, Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom, uh, as a lifelong Zelda fan, there just isn't any game that is slated for this year that I am more excited for. Breath of the Wild changed the franchise for the better. Uh, taking the training wheels off the exploration aspect of the game and really rewarding you for exploring the whole entire world and just the expansiveness of it uh, left a lot to be desired when it comes to the story. I do hope that the story is addressed here. There's a lot of rumors going on how this game is going to bridge all the games and it's all going to come together. If that's the case, that's awesome, but it needs to have a lot of story in order to make those wheels turn and make that work. So we'll see how that works. But man, I mean, look, I think... It, Tears of the Kingdom has a lot to live up to. We live in a we live in a society, Marco, oh God, where not the nothing society. can no longer <laughs> we no, 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 nothing can no longer be good. Everything has to be the greatest of all times. I don't understand the the thousands of conversations I've had with friends and and people online, were about sports, about anything. Where a thing can't just be good; it has to be the greatest of all time. And 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 I I disagree with that notion all the way in most cases something can just be good and and just be good it doesn't have to be the greatest of all time however tears of the kingdom in order to surpass breath of the wild and and really take its place as the best Zelda game of all time it does have to be the greatest of all time and that might be an unfair thing for it to uh have to live up to but it is the bar as current state it is what it is at that point and i am interested to see what tears of the kingdom is it is the longest we've had between mainline zelda games believe it or not uh, and I, the, the world is there. The physics engine is there. Everything is set. They had a lot to explore and a lot to, to kind of play with. And I hope that they managed to shape this game into something that's going to be absolutely unforgettable. Uh, uh, and we'll see. I'm interested to see how this game hits me post uh, Elden Ring. Uh, so uh, we'll see where we're at. But that is my number one here. Got one question for you. Uh, first and foremost, yeah. uh, I'm I'm very disappointed in your list because you didn't read it like Randy Savage the entire time. <laughs> Secondly, um, if you had to pick a game from your top ten that you say has the biggest potential for being, let's not say a flop, but like a disappointment, which one would it be? Oh, uh, easy. It's Redfall. Um, yeah, it's Redfall because Redfall has um has a lot going for it has to be good for xbox but a game like warhammer 40k space Marine, that that that's bad nobody's gonna blink an eye but redfall if it's bad if it's a flop you know it, if it's a flop you know that's that's bad but i think redfall has the most it's the easiest one uh if you if you want me to give you a not so easy answer uh i, I can give you a spicy ass one that uh everybody's gonna come and hate me for hey hey you you handle that you got it spider spider-man too uh, I think Spider-Man 2 could come out and be exactly like the first Spider-Man, maybe a less interesting story, uh, or maybe too familiar, and I think you could get uh, get lambasted uh, a little bit. Uh, I think a lot of games, uh, you know, I, I, I think this game isn't as complex as other games in the Sony repertoire in terms of what it's doing to, to as a gameplay and a story and so because it isn't that complex there's not a lot of things going for other than it's a spider-man game really cool open world if any of those things are just less than stellar i can see diminishing returns on the sequel here uh which we've seen many many times specifically with spider-man games to be quite honest with you uh but uh, i'm confident that insomniac being insomniac they'll be able to pull that off gotcha all right so i'm up 
Uh, let me go ahead and start with my 10 and let me get the Marco ass games out of the way first. Um, Oh, good games, Coming in at number 10 in my most anticipated games list is the one that Pablo's going to play for 14 seconds and never touch again, <laughs> and that is Replaced. Um, I think this game's art style and overall aesthetic is, is amazing looking, and I'm really, really excited to see how a lot of that translates into the gameplay and the overall design uh, focus of that game as well. Uh, obviously, there's been a lot of troubles around the development of that game because of you know current world affairs to put it lightly um but nevertheless this game uh ever since it was first revealed has been on my mind ever since and i am absolutely dying to give this game a shot so replaced is at number 10 for me coming in at number nine is the other marco ass game that is east 10 nordics which uh actually got a release date uh for us in uh for coming in may uh, so that's going to be coming sooner than I thought, which is pretty exciting. What? Mm-hmm. Worldwide? Mm-hmm. Uh, coming to U.S. and Europe, I think May 13th, I, I believe. Whoa. Yeah. So uh, so I, I hate to interrupt you, but do you think that this is a game that I would get into? Because, you know, we, we, we had the conversation last year with uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 3. There was no... And there was the, the thought process, even by me, that I wasn't going to be able to get into that. But being that JRPGs <laughs> are, have become a huge part of my love for video games in the last couple of years... Do you think this is a game that, I, that I'd be able to get into? Um, no, no, dude, I, I don't think so. I, I think this is uh this series has always been very much a comfort food JRPG franchise that is is very much uh, comfortable in its its tropes, but it just happens to have gameplay that just sort of keeps you coming back. I don't I don't think it'd be the kind of game that you would you know stay locked into for very long especially if it's a time of year where other stuff is coming out it, the next shiny object would 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 distract you knowing knowing well, your brain nah, it ain't happening well it's hard to argue with you because i, I did play east nine and it, uh, i thought that game was really awesome and then i just kind of like yep. and then and then you pablo yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um yes but that, nevertheless i'm really excited about that game uh it is a Hugely underrated series, but a very uh, historical one in the JRPG space that I'm really excited to play. Uh, coming very in dope. at the number eight spot for me is Like a Dragon Ishin. Um, Pablo talked a lot about it already, but I think that the, the style of this game is super cool. Um, I think that Yakuza as an IP is is really starting to come into its own um, and captivate uh, a broader audience, which I think is really good. And I hope that this new roadmap of theirs uh with this game included will push this franchise along even further especially with the rebrand of going into like a dragon as the new name i think this is a great opportunity to uh establish itself again and this game by all accounts looks like it's going to do a great job of that uh so i'm definitely looking forward to playing this game when it drops uh i think in march if i'm not mistaken so not too long uh, February. February? Oh, yeah. Even oh. better. Even better. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Coming in at number seven is The Wolf Among Us 2, a Telltale series. Uh, I thought The Wolf Among Us uh, Season 1 was incredible stuff. Uh, probably one of the best written games I've ever played. Um, you know, I think it is, if you play it nowadays, uh, running on a Series X or, or another console, it runs way better than it did back then. So it is a very good oh, yeah. game to return to. And the story and the writing holds up remarkably well. It's just such an imaginative IP uh to to work on and um i have every reason to believe that um this game will uh you know 
maintain that same level of quality. And it's been a long time coming, but I'm so glad it's coming back and it's much deserved for a franchise this good. Uh, so coming in at number six for me is Marvel's Spider-Man two. Um, I'm team insomniac all day. I think that they make Mm -hmm. amazing games. Um, you know, I think that, uh, they have this workflow that just pumps out highly polished, well-made games all the time. And I, I think that this this game for them, I think, is going to be really interesting because I think that by having Peter Parker and Miles Morales in the game, that can possibly mean co-op, uh, you know, dual Spider-Man action, which would be a really nice advancement for the series. Um, I think that their gameplay is solid. I think that exploration always feels good. My only concern is more of like the side stuff, um, the fetch questy collectibles scattered across the map type of thing. Um, are they going to kind of mm. go back to the well again there, or are they going to have some new ideas to make being Spider-Man even cooler uh, than what it was yeah. uh, when it first came out in 2018? But um, And even then, and even then, I platinum that game. I don't platinum games, so it wasn't like yeah. a complete like yeah. A lot so. of people did. A lot of people did. Um, I mean, I loved it. I loved all the DLC. I thought all of that was great stuff, and uh, I have every reason to believe that Insomniac is going to keep on insomniacing and produce a great game once again. Uh, coming in at number five for me is The Legend of Zelda: Tears of the Kingdom, and um, you know I- I'll never love Zelda as a franchise as much as most people do. I just, my gaming history did not really spend a lot of time on the Nintendo end of the spectrum. So I don't have that longstanding mm-hmm. affinity. Um, and I liked breath of the wild a lot. I didn't exactly find myself in love with it, which kind of leads me to why it's in the middle of the pack here, because I think my biggest hang up with breath of the wild was what has become a frustration point for me lately, which is just too many fucking puzzles. Um, I I really hope that this game manages that a lot better. Um, a lot of people are either Team Shrine or not uh, when it comes to Breath of the Wild. I was not Team Shrine, for, for lack of a better term. I thought it was a bog down. And I really hope that um, there is a better flow between uh, whatever puzzles they do have and actual combat and gameplay. I felt like it was just too segmented for me. And ultimately... The puzzles just became a chore. Uh, and I, again, I know I'm in the extreme minority there, but um, even though they were largely optional, they kind of also weren't because you had to complete them to be able to get more health and more stamina. Um, I don't want that same kind of pseudo mandatory kind of thing this time around. Um, I'm okay with puzzles. Let's just make sure that they're kind of interwoven into the other aspects of the game a little bit better, and I'm good. Um, no, I don't I don't think you're that alone. I mean, I... I, I I wasn't a huge fan of uh, of them specifically. I like some of them. I I don't think they were like terrible, but I did honestly actively hate the 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 five dungeons in the game. Um, those were god the, awful. Uh, I'm sorry. I I I, th- I thought those were um, bad, like really bad. Yeah. Uh, and it was so weird. And uh, uh, only five of them fine. And you know, I got to a point where I was just like. I got. I took a guide, and every time I went, I just went through them quickly because mm-hmm. I was. They were not good at all. Uh, but I, it's the exploration of it all that really it, it got me there with that game itself. But no, I don't think you're that alone on it. And you have that number five in your most anticipated list. I, I think that's fair. Yeah. Considering you're not, you're not like a crazy Zelda fan like like myself. But yeah, no, no doubt. Uh, getting into number four, ironically, is Resident Evil Four. Um, hey. Yeah, man, this remake looks really good. Uh, like you said. 
their remake track record has been uh, something of legend uh, in, in the business, so much so that we've seen the Silent Hills and the Dead Spaces come back, and we see new IP come out and attempt uh, what others have attempted, like the Callisto Protocol types of the world as well. So I, I love this pseudo-resurgence of survival horror games through these remakes, and I think that 4, to me, has every possibility of being the pinnacle for them uh, in that sense. There's a lot that they're going to have to... to um, do to play their cards right with this remake, um, especially since they're kind of reimagining certain aspects of the game. So they're going to have to make sure that they're taking good care of those changes and that they're not just changes for the sake of changes. Um, but they've not done anything, Capcom, uh, that is, that has you know instilled any kind of doubt in my mind that they're going to do something really good here. Um, I guess my only thing that's sort of a bummer is that it's cross-gen, which, you know, at this point, I'm kind of getting tired of that now. I, I hate to sound snooty for people that don't have these consoles or couldn't get them, but it's kind of time to move on from that. And I wish this game had so we, we can get the full, you know, the full experience that maybe could have happened if they didn't have to develop backwards. Sure. But so but Resident Evil 2 looks really good on next it does. Consoles. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, it, yeah, you know, yeah. and it, they didn't have to make a lot of concessions, I would imagine, but I just wish sure, that they sure. would be able to play with just the next-gen hardware with this one uh, for a game of yeah. this magnitude. But, it, hey, it's it still exists, and hey. I'm happy about that. So They had it, and I hope to keep the Spanish speaking in there, the hardcore Spaniard. I want I want somebody to... to, to, to Chase me saying, Coelho, cabrón. <laughs> or just, <laughs> muere, muere, muere. Like, what? Yeah, uh, when I, I was playing that. that game, I come from a Spanish-speaking home, and my father only speaks Spanish. Uh, and he walked into that room, me playing. I was in the village with the chainsaw <laughs> guy, and the guy's like, Coelho, cabrón. But that's like, what is that? <laughs> he what threw holy playing? water on you, man. Short, shorted out your console and everything. Um, I was like, oh my god. <laughs> All right, getting into my top three most anticipated games. Uh, at the three spot is Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Um, cool. Honestly, I think the only reason why it's not in the second spot is because we haven't seen a lot of it yet. Uh, I'm really curious to know what they're doing to advance the gameplay, um, what they're doing that kind of improves on the the first remake. If it's, I would be a little bummed if it was just the same exact gameplay style in systems just with the next chapter of the story. I think that'd be a little weird. So hopefully they have some ideas to keep that uh, sequel fresh and interesting compared to the first one. Um, but I'm ready to get to it, man. I, I think this is going to be a pivotal part of this trilogy because this is when a lot of the introductory stuff is kind of out of the way. And now we start seeing, okay, what are you going to stay faithful to? What are you going to shake up? Uh, and where does that lead us with the third game that we'll be getting in a couple years that definitely won't come out on Xbox either? Um, so hey! that is why Rebirth Mesa. is at number three for Fuck. your bully. Uh, number two. Hey, uh, I don't want to put you on the spot here, but do you, because, you know, memory being what it is, do you remember of any outrageous moments in Final Fantasy VII that you're looking forward to in the part two? It was the ending. Of it, all? it was the ending with, uh, with our boy Zach. That's okay. that that shakes a lot of things up uh, more than I think a lot of people realize. Potentially, it depends on what they do with that, but that was huge. So there could be a lot there, uh, especially if yeah. you play Crisis Core. You know a little bit about his relationship with Aerith. 
um, how they're going to weave that in with Cloud's story because he was kind of Cloud's mentor uh, in the early days of Cloud's time with soldiers. So the, the implications there are massive. So that's going to be a huge part of, I think, what yeah. they're going to have to figure out about that story. Um, but yeah. we shall see. All Hopefully right. they keep Hojo goes to the beach. That'd be great. Hojo. All right. I always wanted to say that in a podcast. I just did that now. Um, check. Number two check. is Starfield. Ladies and gentlemen, Starfield, all of my doubts, uh, you know, notwithstanding, I still think that the potential for greatness is undeniable, but the room for error is just as great. Um, This is, if I had to answer my own question that I posed to you earlier of the game that has the most potential to be a disappointment, this is the one, hands down, Um, whether it's running the game at sub 30 frames per second, not being in HDR, bad loading times or general performance issues or bugs. I think there's a lot of possibilities for this game to kind of flounder uh, in its uh, admittedly, you know, admirable scope and grandeur that it's striving for. Um, But, you know, there is always that if of what if they do get it right? What if that time that they spent delaying it to polish it up and get it, you know, in a better state, ends up proving to be worthwhile and it turns out to be an incredible game, uh, then, you know, that's uh, more than deserving of being a top game of the year for me, in which which case. I would still need to learn a little bit more about the story and what they're striving for there, because I think one of my other issues is that the game just didn't seem to have a lot of personality from what we saw. It just seemed like here is you doing space things with different factions. So I I don't know what the hook is, per se, Um, that kind of anchors all this game that they're trying to make for us. But if they get it right, and that is a huge if, um, this game will be certainly one for the ages. So we'll yeah. see. I think a lot of this game is also going to be like really segmented. Like when you think about Fallout 4, we have great memories about it and we love Fallout 4. But there are things about Fallout 4, like the base building aspect, it's not very good. Booty I hole. think there's going to be a yeah, it's going to be a lot of that in Starfield. There's certain aspects that are very ambitious that might not work. But if those things can keep separate from the story itself and, and a lot of the other gameplay stuff. Uh, I think there could be some disappointment, but I think the game can still be grand and could be amazing if a lot of the other stuff works for it. So I think there's going to be a lot of camps where people are going to hate certain aspects of the game. Uh, but I think overall it has, it, it could still be great just based on a lot of the things working. Uh, but mm-hmm. it, it's a lot of stuff that has to come together. You know, you, you're probably right on that in terms of being the biggest flop. I don't even think about it. I just, uh, it, it, it probably is the right answer. I, I would say it is. Yeah, there's, there's that, a reason why no one's ever tried a game this this expansive before because the room for error yeah. is through the roof. Uh, yeah, it, no, it really is. It, it is. There's too many things, too many things, too many uh, plates in the air, uh, and uh, it's got to come together. And it just, man, it's it's it, it, they're riding a fine line. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. yeah. If if Todd Howard don't get it right, I'm burning his leather jacket. It's happening. Uh, never wearing that Live. bullshit again. Episode one hundred. All right, coming into the the number one spot for me, uh, maybe is no surprise, maybe it is, but it's Final Fantasy XVI. Um, I've said repeatedly on this show since we've seen this game that um, I have the utmost confidence that this is going to deliver. Everything from the epic nature of the game, the cinematic flair, the story uh, implications to the combat uh, looking as good as it does has done nothing but left uh, a good taste in my mouth about how this is going to pan out for the series. Pablo is is making suckling sounds. I don't like any of this. <laughs> he has ruined my entire segment of this of this thing here. Uh, 
But nevertheless, uh, Pablo aside, I think this game is, um, you know, the more I thought about it after we made our predictions episode for like the open critic scores, I, I feel like this game is going to get judged a little too harshly. I don't know why I feel that way now, but I think people might get a little unfair about what, and we, we kind of talked about it before, but like just what everyone thinks is the ideal Final Fantasy is so different from one another that I think Final Fantasy fans are going to be a little much of a pain in the ass about it because, oh, it's not traditional enough or it's you know it's 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 doing too many modern things or what i i just think that the the possibility of people nitpicking this game to pieces is really uh it's it's a thing um but as far as i go i'm happy 92 in your open yeah uh, i mean maybe i was predicting a little bit more with my heart than my head there but i think that overall this game for me uh, for my most anticipated games is easily at the top of the list just because I haven't seen anything that makes me go, ooh, that didn't look right. Or, oh, I don't know about that system. Like everything I've heard uh, from that team, uh, including Yoshi P, this man walked out on the, uh, the Game Awards. He looked so relaxed. Flagged out. That man looked like he didn't have a care in the world. I believe in that man. All right. He had the face of, I'll see y'all next year. Um, and <laughs> I, I, I hope he is, I hope his energy was right. Uh, so yeah, that's my number one. Um, yeah, that's a good list, man. Yeah. Uh, you know, I would, I would love to see our lists as they are constructed end up being close, uh, to what our eventual top tens will be, but we all yeah, know. Yeah, that's interesting to see. We know how it goes. There's going to be huge letdowns. There's going to be pleasant surprises. The games we didn't even know existed that just come out of nowhere and become the next neon white or something crazy like that. And, you know, we go crazy about it, but it should be an interesting year indeed, and we will be around to cover every beat of 2023 uh, as best we can. But until next time, Pablo, I think that's going to wrap it up for us this week. Uh, be sure, ladies and gentlemen, to give our podcast a sub if you enjoyed this. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Hive at its cooldown time to keep us in your FOV. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you all next week. Make me feel